Hello and welcome to Kohler Commentary. Y'all, it has been a minute on the podcast, and if you are an avid fan, I'm sorry for the break. Both kids have been getting sick, my brother just left, and I actually had some really cool opportunities within the work field that presented itself to me. I used to think I had all the time in the world, but as a mom of two, I am now definitely having to learn how to give myself grace when things aren't executed with the consistency that I normally like. But I'm back and with a new topic within the Enneagram, paths. Oftentimes, when we think of the Enneagram, it's uncomfortable to feel boxed into just one dominant type that somehow stayed the same over our entire life. So over the year, I do hope to share the very many different layers within the Enneagram. And today, one of those many beautiful layers that are encompassed within this tool is the stress and growth paths that lead us to different numbers within. So each main type connects to two other types through the lines in the uh, through the lines in the diagram. During growth, you can take on some healthy attributes of that type that your arrow is pointing towards, and then during stress, your main type actually takes on some average to unhealthy attributes of the different type that your arrow is pointing to. I'll put the diagram in one of the posts so you know what I'm talking about. So before I do the overview of the paths of each type, I do want to talk to you listeners because so many of you shared your Enneagram types with me when I was collecting soft data earlier this month. Out of almost 200 answers shared, I have some bias data to reveal with those that have been asking to reveal it. Biased because a lot of you that have shared with me obviously have some sort of tie to Texas or some sort of tie to growing up within a faith-based community. So naturally, the data, while it's rare to find a huge chunk of Asian American data right now, it's still biased and I hope to grow in that throughout the years that I work as an Enneagram coach. So statistically, Enneagram 9 and Enneagram 6 are actually the most common types reported within all the surveys or forms or tests that have been taken. And then historically, I've tried to look at different places, but the Enneagram 5 has proven to be one of the most rare types. And so when I did my data, I will say that was consistent. The Enneagram 9 was still the most common and the Enneagram 5 was the most rare within my Asian American sample size. So while I think my Enneagram 5 was at 3%, the Enneagram type 4 went like head to head with only 4% making up the entire data. And um, on the flip side, while I've seen different numbers like the 6 or even I believe the four, actually, I've seen that in a lot of different research being some of the more common ones within the Asian American data. I saw that it was the Enneagram type two and the Enneagram type three that were right behind the nine being the first one. And so why do you think that is? I thought it was very interesting that two, three, and four, they're all part of the heart triad, which is your feelings. And I'll talk more about triads at another podcast episode. And then it's the two and three, right? And those are like the doing and achieving and kind of being the best that you can be. Those are the ones that are head to head with Enneagram nine. And then that type four, which is being seen as special or unique, ended up being the most rare. And I did have this discussion with different people. And we did come to some sort of consensus, consensus that even right as Asian Americans, we have this model minority 
image that we want to live up to. So that so naturally ties into how we do and how we excel and the image that we do portray, especially so that we can assimilate to this Western culture. And so on the flip side, when a type four is wanting to be seen as special or unique, when that message is almost um, the opposite all our lives because we want to blend in to um, the Westernization that our parents work so hard to sacrifice for, it's I, I don't find it a surprise that that ends up being one of the more rare within at least my um, bias data that I did take. And so I thought I would share that with you guys. Would love to hear some of your insights or reflections as to why you might think I had that so far. And stay tuned as I continue to collect data, hopefully find out how that aligns to MBTI, Myers-Briggs, find out what that looks like within gender roles. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Anyway, so back to the paths. In this episode, I will share a quick overview of where each number goes in stress and in growth. And then I will invite two guests onto the podcast to share their personal experiences with their own paths. And if you actually go into my coaching certification program or if you do one-on-one coaching with me, beyond just the stress and growth path, there's also a blind spot path and a converging path. But for the sake of time and just fluidity, I will point towards just the stress and growth. Feel free to reach out to me if you are interested in the deeper layers within the paths. All right, are you ready? So first is our Enneagram 1, the principled reformers. In stress, they move towards an average or unhealthy type 4, which which might mean they look more resentful and feel angry if others don't fulfill their expectations, and they can withdraw when they're feeling moody or misunderstood. So oftentimes, you find yourself working out your emotions on your own. When Enneagram 1s are in growth, they move towards average to healthy sides of a type 7, which means you might be experiencing more compassion and joy, creating a more self-accepting heart, and becoming more enthusiastic, spontaneous, positive, or optimistic. Our Enneagram 2s are wonderful advisors or supporters or nurturers. When Enneagram 2s are in stress, they will find themselves going towards an average to an unhealthy type 8. They can become more irritable, especially if your love and support have become ignored or rejected. They tend to get more controlling and demanding um, in the reactions towards others. They threaten to withdraw your support and care and can manipulate and blame problems on others. When Enneagram 2s are growing, they start to move towards the healthy side of a type 4. They start to see and own any unhealthy motives and ask for forgiveness Enneagram 2s can start taking care of their needs and emotions and accept their painful feelings, including anger, sadness, and loneliness. Enneagram 2s believe that they are wanted and loved apart from what they do for others, and that's really key. Um, And I want to do a disclaimer right now. When I read through these paths, um, when I share these paths and the traits that you might resemble within them, it doesn't mean you have to resonate with all of them, but these are just some notes so that let's say you feel stressed and you realize you're doing some of the things I share in the stress path. Those are like rumble strips, right? Those are ways that you can realize, oh, I'm veering off the path that is best for my personality type. And so how can I make sure I still stay within that path? And so these are kind of those trigger points for that. 
Our Enneagram 3, the admirable or successful achiever. When they are stressed, they move towards an unhealthy type 9, which means you can find them shutting down, numbing out, um, becoming apathetic or even passive. They remain busy to avoid looking lazy, even if they're not able to focus. You see type 3 starting to withdraw or become depressed, losing interest in accomplishing. They resist help from others and often want to be left alone and unbothered. And sometimes they can also be manipulating or blaming problems in others. An Enneagram 3 in growth goes towards the healthy side of a type 6. They take rest in knowing that they are not defined by their accomplishments. They become less competitive and more loyal, authentic, vulnerable. Enneagram 3s start to shift to a team player mindset. They love when they're healthy. They love asking for help and also using their talents to help and promote others. The Enneagram type 4 is the introspective or romantic individualist. The type 4, when they are in stress, moves to an unhealthy type 2. They defend their feelings by withdrawing their attention. Sometimes they can become over-involved or clingy to win that affection. And they tend to create dependencies by manipulating others to need them. They can become possessive and need closeness with others to validate their feelings. When Enneagram 4s are in growth, they move towards the healthy side of a type 1. They become more emotionally balanced, objective, and principled. They start to realize that mundane tasks are actually opportunities to grow and steward um, their talents. And so it allows them to become more responsible and organized. And they tend to become more disciplined and productive and focus on doing what is right. We will have an Enneagram 4, one of our rare Asian American breeds, on the podcast later as he reflects through his paths. The next one is the analytical investigator or the investigative thinker. Our type 5s in stress move towards an average to unhealthy type 7. They can start to get really talkative or scattered, restless or hyperactive because they're taking on too many projects for them in an and in an impulsive way. They overbook their schedule with all these experiences, but that's not good for the boundaries that they need to set for themselves. And they can become impatient and erratic in learning everything at a feverish pace. In growth, they start to move towards a healthy type eight, where they are more self-confident, assertive, and decisive. They become more active with their body, which allows them to connect their thoughts with the other triads of emotions and gut. They trust their instincts, becoming bolder and quicker to take action. Our Enneagram type 6 is the loyal guardian, and in stress, they move to an unhealthy 3. They arrogantly believe that they can see all the possible scenarios, and they start to keep themselves busy in order to avoid feeling anxiety. They refuse to try something new, especially if failure is a possibility, and they do start to worry more about their self-image, and so they become a more likable person in order to receive the support and loyalty that they're searching for. Um, When they're growing and healthy, type 6s move also to a healthy type 9. They start to relax more and enjoy moments because they're enabling their mind to slow down. They can develop secure relationships by becoming less reactive, one of their conflict styles, and become more empathetic, compassionate, and receptive to others. Enneagram 6s in health start to trust their inner discernment more rather than seeking that from the authority figures around them. 
Our Enneagram Type 7, the entertaining optimist or enthusiast. In stress, they tend to move towards an unhealthy Type 1. They can start to impose restrictions and limitations on themselves so that they can be more productive. And they start to notice and point out a lot of imperfections. And this uh, makes themselves and others need to live up to these higher ideals, which causes a lot of tension. They can get upset and critical of others when they are preventing this Enneagram 7 from having fun. Enneagram 7s in growth move towards a healthy type 5. This allows them to quickly put their mind at rest, finding more clarity and insight. They can place more value on wisdom and disciplining themselves by becoming more grounded and focused. And they focus on their inner world and have to start learning how to accept life, both the good and the bad, the happy and the sad. I'm excited to invite an Enneagram 7 onto our podcast to reflect about her own paths in a future episode coming up. Next is our Enneagram 8, the protective challenger. Um, We love our passionate 8s. They, when in stress, move towards unhealthy type 5. They can start to withdraw and become isolated, secretive, and start to just observe from afar. Their emotions start to get detached and they gain more knowledge so that they can be on that offense. Enneagram 8s start to become more cerebral and less physically assertive and action-oriented, and they start to distrust people and become more cynical and harsh. In growth, Enneagram type 8s move towards a healthy type 2. They put the needs of others before themselves by plowing a path for others. They become more thoughtful, empathetic, compassionate, and caring, and they can show more of their feelings and tender heart and even start to be more vulnerable, which is something that is hard for our eights. And then our Enneagram 9. In stress, they move to an unhealthy type 6. They can start to find their minds constantly racing and worried about worst case scenarios. They can start to get defensive and frustrated and frantically take care of responsibilities that they started putting off for too long as nines tend to maybe do. Um, Their growth path allows them to be a healthy type three where they start to take time to discover their desires and passions and own the fact that they are worthy to be invested in themselves through self-development and accomplishing their goals. They confidently begin to show up in life and assert themselves and bless others with their full presence and speak up more because they know that their knowledge and insight is worth offering. And so those are our nine types and where they might go in stress and in growth. Like I said, there's also a blind spot path where they can actually exam, um, where they can actually portray unhealthy types of where their arrow would turn if they were healthy. So if they were a type nine, I just said that in health, they go towards a type three, but with their blind spot people, which is the people they're most secure with, they can look like an unhealthy type three. And then on the flip side, there is a converging path, which is almost like the ultimate goal we strive for. And um, in this converging path, they become a healthy type nine, a healthy type three, which is what they are in growth, and then a healthy type six, which is the positive traits that they would have been having in their stress path. So if I lost you there in the last minute by describing all the paths, just pause through that. Just try to reflect on your stress and your growth. Ask yourself, when was a time that you can describe when you were um, portraying your stress path? 
When was a time where you feel most comfortable or when you felt most enabled to be in your growth path? It's helpful to know that that could have been a season. It could have been because of your spouse. It could have been at work on a Monday because Mondays are quite stressful and you might have toxic coworkers. And it's not saying that you can suddenly fix it, but by being aware of these trigger points, you're then able to see how can I make sure that I do the best that I can to stay off a stress path, which is so easy to fall into and continue to work towards growth and convergence. So that's the way I'm going to end this overview and stay tuned because we're about to invite a Enneagram type four and a type nine onto the podcast along with myself, a type two, to do some very quick reflections about where we would go in our stress and our growth and what that might look like as we reflect on different seasons of our life. Enjoy. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp, the sponsor of this episode, is here for you. BetterHelp offers a broad range of over 20,000 licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Plus, you can get 10% off your first month with my code, betterhelp.com slash Kohler. With BetterHelp, you can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience, and all you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs before getting matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything you share is completely confidential. As a mom constantly working around Jaden's toddler schedule, having my weekly therapy online has been a complete game changer and a huge reason why I have made big steps to better my mental health for myself and for my family. You can also request a new therapist anytime at no additional charge. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Don't forget to use my code to get that 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Kohler. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash Kohler. So I thought it would be fun to invite some other Enneagram types onto the podcast to kind of reflect on the paths that I just shared. Um, just quick snippets to maybe have some reflection that could maybe put like stories or ahas or connection to what it would mean to be in this type of path. So first we'll go with like, I'll explain all the stress paths, blind spots, growth, and converging, and then each of us will take turns sharing. So today on the podcast, I have Opa Alex Chi, who we have decided is an Enneagram for the individualist. Um, and so I'm excited to have him start some reflection on that, even though it is very new for him. So no pressure onto the Enneagram journey. And I think for Matt, it is still new for you as well, correct? Matt is an Enneagram 9, the peacemaker. Yeah, it's still new. I feel like every time I read it, I like relearn what I am. Yeah, but I'm glad that we're having these episodes so that you can continuously relearn. Um, but how do you feel joining us as a guest, not a host of Pink Lai? I feel great. <laughs> I feel great. No, I don't really know too much about the Enneagrams, but 
excited to learn more about myself and why I am the way that I am. Yeah, and some of you guys shared your answers with me on Instagram. I had about 181 very biased data, and fours are one of the more um, rare within at least the Asian-American biased data that I got. So it would be nice to hear your perspective for the fours out there who are the special and unique and beauty creation ones to this world. So what we'll do first is go through the stress path, which I have said was when your type um, thinks, feels, or behaves under stress. And so for myself, I am a type two, the giver or the helper. And when I am in stress, I could move toward average to an unhealthy type 8. So while I still have some good things about a type 8 that can show, a lot of the unhealthy characteristics would also kind of stand out. And so for me, that looks like becoming irritable and defensive if I feel like my love and support have been ignored or rejected, have controlling, aggressive, demanding, and dominating reactions towards others, become confrontational and angry, threaten to withdraw their support and care, manipulate others into doing what they want, or blaming problems on others, seeing issues as one-sided rather than owning any responsibility. So it doesn't mean I do all of these things, although someone beside me might be <laughs> nodding. <laughs> um, but it does mean like this. these are some characteristics I could resemble. And so what we're going to do is just resonate with which one might stick out the most to you. So for me, when I'm reading through this, I definitely feel like um, I become irritable and defensive if I feel like my love and support has been ignored or rejected. I think a lot of times, right, as twos, we want to give, give, give. And so when that's not recognized or appreciated, then the irritability can come out. Um, I think that happens a lot when there are stressful situations, especially as a parent. And so I don't know, like, I think that's something Matt and I have shared before is that maybe my love or support might not seem like that like like me feeling like I'm sacrificing something might not be the same definition of sacrifice to someone else but because I feel like that sacrifice then I then start to react with kind of irritableness because I feel like my sacrifices aren't being seen if that makes sense I don't know what do you guys is that kind of vague no it's not vague I wrote that, yeah. Like I, I also resonated with blaming problems on others, seeing issues as one-sided rather than owning any responsibility because I think sometimes um, twos, but speaking for myself, can feel like our intentions are very selfless and sacrificial. And so the innate response in stress would be to say like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong because my intent was very loving. And so I feel like I have tried to work on that more to stop and see my side, even if right away I might feel blamed and I think a lot of these situations happen more so in marriage I think because of COVID and the pandemic and that's where we start having kids so that's where stressful situations arise and so that's where I can feel that but I'm sure in other situations like um, family interactions that I've recently kind of reflected upon I do feel this like woe is me and I do think also like twos can have that tendency to have a victim mentality and I realize more and more that that's kind of what I carry when I have those stressful situations because I don't I'm not being seen as like good and loving and selfless okay we'll go with Matt so Matt as a type nine, when you are in stress, you could move towards an average or unhealthy type six. 
So that can look like becoming anxious and worried, fixating on worst possible case scenarios, find that your mind can be constantly racing, you become irritable and frustrated, frantically take care of responsibilities that have been put off for too long, you might be feeling stressed and worried that you forgot something important, and you can become reactive and defensive. Type 6s do have the reactive style in conflict, so that might be why that could come out. Um, Of these, what might you resonate with? Um, I think for me, the fixating on possible worst case scenario actually happens a lot. It doesn't like overwhelm me. Like it's not like I like truly believe these worst case scenarios are happen, but I like they, they enter my mind, which is why like when I'm really stressed about something, I can't focus on other things until that stress is like taken care of. So like, even like recently, like we are, are six-month-old Evan was sick and like I don't I don't actually but the thoughts crossed my mind of like okay well if this infection never gets better and then in like 10 seconds or in like the next 30 seconds there will be a thought of like okay well if he like dies then these like these crazy like this escalating thoughts will happen and again I'm not like crippled by these thoughts like because I know they're not gonna happen but it, it passes my mind so it's, I kind of like see the whole spectrum of outcomes. So I don't just see the worst case. I see like the best case, but I also see the worst case. And I like analytically think about every single one. So I'm not like overwhelmed by this characteristic, but it definitely happens. So, and so I can give a more lighthearted example. So like if, if I have a favorite sports team and they're in like the finals, I'll think about them losing the finals and then all of a sudden within the next minute, I'll be thinking about all like the social media that's going to be like trashing on my team. And I'm going to think about the ESPN broadcast that's going to like be talking and all this comes to my mind in the span of like five minutes. And again, it's not like I, it's like it like affects me that much, but those thoughts continuously cycle through until it's resolved until they actually win or lose the finals. And so I I do this even for like really lighthearted things. And then, really big things so i think that that happens but it doesn't it doesn't lead to like a bad outcome because it doesn't it, again it doesn't like cripple me i it actually like motivates me to do what i can to make the best outcome happen but i don't think it's a great way of thinking about it because it gives me a lot more stress than i need to be under in those situations so yeah and then uh the other one that i think i identify with to some degree i mean i can become reactive and defensive i think only when i'm like really when i feel like the same stress has happened a lot like i can shrug things off a few times but then when i feel like the same stress is hitting me then i'm almost like all right screw it i'm just gonna go the other direction and like push back so i think i can identify with that one i think the other one happens more consistently actually but i think those are the two that stand out for me yeah. Push back against me. <laughs> Whatever the stress is. The the vague the vague <laughs> answers are because it's kind of about marriage probably. No, it could be anything. But I think that's interesting because a nine tends to give all perspectives, which can be a strength, right? Um, but it's interesting that in the stress, right, you also give yourself a lot of those worst case scenarios and that's what plays through your mind and um, it's kind of cool to hear that uh, sh- shared. So thanks. 
So, um, OPA, our Enneagram 4, when you are in stress, you can move towards an average or unhealthy type 2, which is me. So this is going to feel very exposing as I read these bullet points because that means I do these a lot when I'm unhealthy. Well, when I'm unhealthy. Anyways, but some of the things a type 4 can reflect is um, you might defend your hurt feelings by withdrawing or removing attention and affection. Type 4s can become over-involved and clingy to win infection, or type 2s technically, but um, discuss the current condition of their relationships with others so they see their need for them. Manipulate and create dependency through helping, giving attention, and doing favors for others. Become possessive and constantly want to be close and secure in relationships and use flattery to gain attention from others when feeling empty or lonely. I resonate with a lot in my unhealthiness, but not all of these. So I'm sure you as a type 4, which ones would you resonate of these? I don't think I resonate with a lot of them. Well, congrats. I, I You're think, not in stress. <laughs> no, 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 no. One of the, the one that really resonated with me was the first one. Mm. Defend their hurt feelings by withdrawing or removing their attention and affection. I feel like when I'm stressed, I will tend to back away or take a, take a step back um, just because there's so much going on in my head and with my emotions that like, I know when I am stressed, I tend to... Um, be very defensive. Um, I think when I, I remember my first couple of uh, movies I was producing, when I was really overwhelmed, I would like have a room from, or I would just go to a space and just kind of like take a breath and try not to be too stressed, even though I was still very, very stressed. Mm. Um, so withdrawing is, is something that, that I do tend to do when, when I am stressed. Um, and the fact that I do take things personally, even though it may not be personal, um, when I am stressed, then I, then I do have a tendency to, to show it and like remove, what was it? Removing attention and affection. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think sometimes I can wear, it's my emotions are pretty evident. So that's why I would rather withdraw when I'm stressed. Mm. Um, so it doesn't show as much. Mm. Side note, that also reflects your self-preservation subtype, which we oh, talked really? about. Yeah. Because type fours that do that, they still have the emotions, but they just kind of keep it to themselves so that it's not as dumped onto others around them. Um, yes. But that makes sense too. Um, stress can be a weekly thing where on Mondays you start work and Mondays are the most stressful days. So you could um, resemble some of your characteristics then, or it can be a season. If work has been terrible for so long, right, and that's affecting you all the time, then that can be a season of things. And even I think there was a season where I felt attention or love, affection withdrawn, and now I don't feel that. And I think that's a, I don't know, reflection too. That's kind of cool to hear. Mm. Um, big picture. All right, let's go to the blind spot path. This is usually with either your closest friends or family, basically whoever you might feel the most secure with and safe with in a sense. And so in that, you become a little bit more like loose of yourself because you're comfortable as well. Um, So let's switch it up. All right, let's go with Matt then. Um, Matt, your blind spot path means that you might show the average or unhealthy characteristic traits of a type three. Um, You could demonstrate value and worth more overtly, brag about accomplishments, do busy work to feel productive and distract yourself from more important matters, desire to be noticed and affirmed about how valuable you are, I can't pronounce some of these words, (laughs) are easily hurt when others point out any flaw or failure. 
Um, I think the two, there's two that I think stick out and they kind of go hand in hand. And it is true. I, I, these are not things I do unless it's the people I'm closest with. Um, but I think the desire to be noticed and affirmed about how valuable they are and the bragging about their accomplishments. And I think they're kind of similar. And it's because I'm pretty secure in myself. So like for like a random person, like I don't need them to know like all the things I'm good at or anything. But when I know someone knows me really well, it's like becomes more important for me to know that they know how good I am at something that I'm good at. Um, which is so the most obvious example for this is sports. And like, so I'm, I immediately think, cause I've done so much like flag football. So when I coach flag football with like in groups where it's, it's like a group of people. And so not like my close friends, like I'm purely there just to make the environment fun and to help people learn and to like, just be a good like teacher who's not putting a lot of pressure on people. Like, I don't care if anyone knows anything about me. Um, but when I'm around people that I like play with or know, I'm like, okay, well they need to know <laughs> that like, I'm like really good at this thing and that, right. It's, it's, so it's this weird thing. And I, and that's probably how I, anything competitive, I think, yeah, it just, for whatever reason, like when I, when it's the people I'm close with, my standing in that becomes more important to me. Um, than if I were just in like a pickup game or with like at church or with strangers or something like that. So, um, yeah, and I think it probably just boils down to the fact that I value the people closest to me, like how they see me. So if like, if I see myself in some way, like I want them to see me in that way, I guess. Um, but yeah, those two, I think kind of go hand in hand to some degree. I think the bragging is more, I don't really do that unless something like just comes up in like a conversation and it's like a fun conversation, then I'll start talking a little more, more about myself, um, in like a competitive way. So I think that's less so, but I think the other one, yeah, like I want to know that other people know, like without me saying something, I guess. So I think that one is the bigger one and the bragging could be like a subset under that in like specific circumstances. I, I don't feel like I do that a lot, but I think sometimes maybe I want to do it, but I, I don't because that's kind of a silly thing to do, but yeah. I actually remember now because your football legendness happened kind of before we actually met Met, right? And it's not like you ever bragged to me about it, but the first time I saw you play football was at this like turkey bowl in Sugarland. Um, Christy invited us to like her church thing and you like dropped this like easy pass. Do you remember? No, <laughs> but what I did was like, I made fun of you. Like, you know, like, you know, like I was like, LOL, like, yeah, I, he's really good, but I've only seen him drop easy pass. Like, you know, like as a joking kind of way when I shared about it, but later you actually told me like, Hey, that actually hurts because like, you don't realize, like you confronted me about that. And I was like, Oh, like, I'm sorry. But as I think more and like, as you do share this reflection, I realized, Oh, that might be because I was becoming a close person to you. And so was it that important? The fact that you don't remember this is, you know, like I'll just drop the situ the example, but that was the first time you've like confronted me about something according to like your feelings. And I was like, oh, interesting. And now like it kind of like makes sense. Mm. All right. Well, I'll take your <laughs> word for it. That makes sense. Okay. Oh, but when your blind spot path um, occurs with the people you feel most secure around, 
you can move towards an average to unhealthy type one, the perfectionist, which means that you could focus on flaws or become more judgmental and critical, become vocal about what you might see as wrong, visibly display displeasure and disappointment, become impatient, picky, controlling, annoyed, and irritated with flaws and imperfections, try to address inadequacies in others through sharing frustration and disappointment, or criticize themselves yourself for personal imperfections that leap out to them. The type one does have that inner critic. So then that criticism part, critical part um, becomes more evident. Which of these do you resonate with? And are these are all, these are all supposed to be negative ones? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, you yeah. can also show positive ones at this time as well. But when you are an average or unhealthy type, mm. then you're more likely going to show the more unhealthy traits. Yeah. And so that's why this is there. It doesn't mean you only have bad no, things. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. But just for those that are listening, it doesn't mean you can only be the bad traits, you know? I just um, want to clarify that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think, I guess a few of these have resonated in terms of, I'm definitely more vocal about what they see as wrong at that point. I think when I am more comfortable around people, um, I do have the tendency to share, um, or talk about certain things. Like, cause I also am not someone that likes conflict, so I would avoid conflict with other people. But for those that I am uh, more close with, you know, I have more comfortability to bring stuff up that, that um, bothers me or bring stuff up that I think, um, would, you know, benefit our, our relationship in any way mm. or just them in, or just with them in general. I think just with the other one, try to address inadequacies in others through sharing frustration and disappointment. I feel like this one and the what become impatient, picky, and controlling, constantly annoyed and irritated with the flaws and imperfections that they see. I feel like that's how I used to be when I was more unhealthy, and then mm. as I've, you know, been a little bit healthier in in the terms of my growth or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think when I do try to address stuff to those close to me that that comes to my attention, I'll try to do it now in a way that through what, sharing frustration and disappointment, I guess. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are some things that you find to be what you're picky about? Were there are there any themes or is it like just everything? Um like cleanliness or like the way to do certain I don't know. Yeah, I think like cleanliness I think like communication is something that's that's really important. I know each of my close friends or family, you know, communicate in a different way. Mm. Um, so having a certain understanding of the way, way people are, have, has sort of helped, Mm. but it's also like, I, I've had conversations with some of my closer friends who aren't as good at communication and I've like, you know, tried to explain to them why sometimes I get bothered. Um, but that's changed. I I think most recently I've, I've lived with, um, with a couple of my really close friends. So we, uh, we definitely, uh, learned a lot more about, about each other. Mm. And um, I think that that really helped uh, in terms of our friendship, but also just for me, it's like in terms of like, you know, trying not to have certain expectations for other people's actions Mm. or like they're not, you know, they don't act the same or think the same as you. Mm. If there are stuff that bothers me now, I I am still vocal about it, um, but I try not to be as like controlling and annoyed, but I try to be more like, like talk about it a little bit more, but. 
but it still happens. Yeah. <laughs> I still notice. I still notice. I still notice. But that shows your own growth, yeah, right? Yeah, in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It does it. I think that's the cool thing about this is it helps you realize more of how you can improve yourself yeah. in those times mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't mean you have the power to change the other person, which is, you know, yeah, I something. Know. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. For me as a type two, ooh, I might move to an average or unhealthy type four. So what that looks like could be that I um, openly share my feelings, needs, darker ambitions and cravings, reveal hidden emotional and relational needs that go much deeper than others realize, express disappointment in others, act in overly sensitive and emotional ways, become moody, temperamental, and self-absorbed, give themselves treats, and become more self-indulgent. What do you guys think? Um, Two of my probably blind spot path people. That sounded like a lot of me. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, these are, right? So someone else is resonating. Um, Although the openly sharing might be something you don't do as often since you are the counter type. Your subtype was a self-pres observation one. Mm. Unless you do do the openly sharing, but not with family that much. After a few drinks, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, So for me, what resonated, which like a lot of them did, but I think if I were to pick a couple, it would be like um, revealing some hidden emotional and relational needs that go much deeper than others realize. Um, I actually remember the first time I like met Stephanie, one of my best friends in college, like our second meetup, I like shared like a breakup sob story and maybe some other stuff. I don't even know. And then later she was like, oh my gosh, and you went so deep, so fast, you know, because like now looking back, she's a type seven who's kind of like emotionally pain free <laughs> sometimes, you know. And so realizing that um, I have that tendency. And for me, I think in general, I feel open and comfortable easily with people. And so I might do that with more people. Like I might do that securely with more people than they might even feel secure in that point of time, if that makes sense. I'm sure later Steph would be like, yeah, tell me all your deep, dark secrets. But even then I was like, oh, I'm realizing even now as um, I've been in different seasons where we've moved from like um, Dallas to San Antonio, then Houston to Dallas, like I value such intimate relationships, but it's been hard to create those as easily. And so I find myself doing these things but without almost without being sure if these people are my closest people, but hoping they're my closest people. I don't know. So it's kind of like a point of insecurity too. Um, but I do think I do that. And I definitely share that with Matt, all my deep, dark stuff. But sometimes if it's not emotionally reciprocated, then I do feel like a blockage. I would say that's the main one that kind of stuck out. And then um, I act in overly sensitive and emotional ways to close people. I think that was definitely something as the youngest in our family. I think growing up, I can definitely see when I might have felt sensitive. um, And then I might have been called out for being sensitive, which made me even more sensitive. Um, But I felt like everyone was sensitive in their own ways, but mine was just like the most obviously sensitive. And then, yeah, being in our marriage too, where... Matt's like emotionally not sensitive. My emotions become way more heightened in sensitivity. And so then I feel like I'm extra moody and things like that. Um, so that kind of resonated. In terms of giving myself treats or becoming more self-indulgent, I'm not sure how that would be like around the ones most secure, but I guess like I've eaten a lot of 
ramyun with oppa in the last two months like self-indulging in those ways like i like to binge shows with people so like when people come over i'm like binging 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 so i mean that could be something where i feel comfortable with those around me so i want to do stuff like that with others because i am a people person and so those are some things that kind of came to mind let's move on to the gr- oh did you guys want to respond at all nah <laughs> That was great. I'm with two no, no more of the um, withdrawn types in men. Um, no notes. Okay. No notes. Um, so next is the growth path. I'll start and then I'll go to Opa next. Um, in a growth path, I'm almost the opposite of the unhealthy sides of a type four. I move towards the healthy side of a type four. So this means becoming aware of tendencies to believe that they always have pure and unselfish motives, um, which kind of combats that stress factor when you think that you have no blame to receive um see true see my true heart including unhealthy motives and ask for forgiveness take care of my own needs discover my own emotions accept painful feelings including anger sadness and loneliness believe that they are wanted and loved just as they are apart from what they do for others Um, I think I've resonated with a lot of these in the past. I think because they are muscle memory to me, I have times in the week or like, you know, maybe at least two weeks. Yay. Like I'm reflecting these things. But I think the one that's been hard for me is like believing that I'm wanted and loved just as I am apart from what I do for others. So for example, let's say I see that I did something wrong to Matt and I ask for forgiveness, but then I have to feel affirmed in that forgiveness. And that doesn't mean he doesn't affirm me, but if I don't feel the affirmation of it, then I get insecure again because I'm not back into that place of like feeling wanted and loved as I am. And then it can then like be a cycle of, oh, I go back to like some stress path or blind spot path because that feeling of that part is not, that's not like a muscle memory thing. That's like a, I have to keep doing my own emotional work, right? And like um, work on myself in that way. Um, I do think uh, when I take care of my needs, that shows growth path. So even like, for example, last summer when I wanted to do the Enneagram certification after really learning about it so much, um, that did like cost some money and like time. And even though I wasn't sure that was the right time, I decided that's what I feel like is a need for me. And so I confronted, not confronted in a bad way, like I told Matt, like, this is something I'd like to invest in for myself. He was on board and like, I do see like big picture, even as I prepare for like a company presentation soon and different things like I am glad that when I do um, believe in myself or take care of myself in those ways there is like a fruit in that but I just have to keep working on that like recently we did like a one week zoom fast and one of the verses was just like you know love your neighbor as yourself and I think type twos can like immediately be like yes I love my neighbor you know but I think something that I've struggled with a lot is like the love your neighbor as yourself portion and maybe that's why the growth can't fully be there for me in this current season because I have to really do the work of loving myself which goes to that last bullet point I shared of believing that I'm wanted and loved just as I am not for others but just for me and I guess my own identity and so um yeah I think that's like a reflection point I have within this growth path arena and where I hope to to get to is that too is that too blind spot of openly sharing my feelings and needs who knows let's move on okay 
Upa, for you, in a growth path, you would resemble a healthy type one. So you become more emotionally balanced, objective, and principled. You embrace mundane tasks as opportunities to be a good steward and be responsible and organized. Um, steward is one of those words like season, you know, where you're like... I know what a steward is. No, I know, but you're like, <laughs> no, because you're like, oh, you, like oh, all these people use the same words. Like I'm in this type of season or something. Oh, you know? uh, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say season in Dallas, but it's the first time I've heard steward. Oh, <laughs> um, become focused, disciplined and grounded, become more productive and focused on what's right and complete the needs to be done before moving on to other interests. Do you resonate? Yeah. I mean, I, th I all these resonated with me as well. You know, I do tend to procrastinate at times, so when I am more healthy or my growth path, that means that's when I'm healthy, right? Is that yeah. Growth path. Yeah, I, I do tend to be like, okay, now I'm, you know, I have more focus and, and productivity. Yeah, and I think, you know, the one that you emphasize that embrace mundane tasks as opportunities to be a good steward and to be responsible and organized, um, that resonated, resonated with, me, with me as well. I think, like... You know, more recently, even stuff with like, you know, doing the laundry or like doing the dishes or like stuff like that. Um, I've used as opportunities to be a good steward. Yeah, I totally agree. Even like stuff like like cooking, like I'm not a good cook, but I like to cook because it seems very like, all right, these are this is what you need to do. You know, these ingredients, it's, it's very like and it's very like for me, I like that sort of organizational aspect of things. Yeah. I think you guys you already talked about like me making japchae, which is which is a really hard dish. Everyone says it's a hard dish, but it's actually not that it's not that difficult. It's just it's a lot. It's just though. a lot, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like you know something like that where it's like oh I like doing it because it's like okay it's like I got to do carrots, onions. There's so many little <laughs> things that I, that I'll do. Mm. Um, so that's why you know that's one of the things that I've more recently realized I've been uh, doing more or know mundane tasks like that i guess with yeah. with the household chores and stuff and um i mean we've been very blessed by that <laughs> these past two months <laughs> yeah. yeah laundry and dishes yeah i mean <laughs> i'm those are some of my most anxious points mm. af besides like you like being with the kids is like laundry yeah. dish it you know yeah. in cooking so i think it's been a blessing that's a that's an example exactly of being a good steward yeah it was also like when i was living with my close friends before like i sometimes would let the fact that like dishes were piling up like get to me a mm. little bit and then i was like you know what i'm just gonna do the mm. I'm just, yeah so i kind of try to like change it and be like you know some people are just have different habits so am i either gonna let it bother me or am i just gonna do it and am i gonna be upset about it because that doesn't help so it's like you know what i'm just gonna do it and like you know i'm not gonna say i like doing it because at the end of the day it's dishes and laundry yeah. but i don't i don't mind doing it mm. yeah, that's always like oh yeah. you see i thought you really liked doing it <laughs> <laughs> i don't mind doing it i don't mind doing it but yeah yeah that yeah that all resonates with me yeah i think that's helpful for me as i listen because a uh, side note right like there's wings and things like that as well and as a type two I have a wing three and a wing one um, that plays a part in my personality. And I think I'm not quite sure yet how to do the wing one well, but I as I listen to you reflect on the wing one health or on your type one health, that can also translate to someone who might have a wing one, if that makes sense. Like you and me, we actually both have wing ones that we don't really mm -hmm. use well. 
But like earlier when it came to the unhealthy stuff of a type one, like critical, judgmental, you know, criticizing, I do that really well, you know, because like I only know how to do the bad parts of a one because I'm not sure. Like this is a way to think of like, oh, that type is also in you. How do I use that well? I do the unhealthy stuff in the one that probably just neglect all the one yeah your one was unhealthy or the your your one was really low (laughs) on your (laughs) so i was like so you really only have a wing eight (laughs) but that's not true because you have the wing one how can you tap into that you know but that's that's a (laughs) or maybe you never found it yet and that's your opportunity to be mundane healthy type one become more emotionally balanced objective and principled that's that's that right but you have to have all the emotions too (laughs) like he's not i don't think he's emotionally balanced i don't Uh, think i am either right but i think i have these gotcha you know like harder emotions and i don't think he lets himself ever feel that that doesn't mean you're balanced not not to like hate on it you know but i think you're closer to being healthy in that emotionness than i am but i think we have to be honest of where we are emotionally you know yeah, I don't identify with any of the bad or good. <laughs> I'm reading through <laughs> Alex's charts. <laughs> we, can, we can save those types for, for another day, you know? Okay, so for Matt, when you are in your growth path, you resemble a healthy type three. You invest in yourself through self-development, take time to discover passions and desires. You become a confident go-getter, show up to life, assert yourself, and bless others with your full presence. Stop procrastinating, stick to a plan, and accomplish goals. Speak up more, sharing your knowledge and insights. Do you resonate with what and when and why? Yeah, uh, the last time I took a test, my three was my highest, right? Higher than my nine, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I resonate with all of them, so it makes sense, I guess. I don't really know like how to give but examples. But that would be but... unhealthy and healthy, not just healthy. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I resonate with some of the unhealthy what the blind spot ones but anyways yeah no i just think these are all things i do when i when i'm in a good place um i don't really know how to give great examples for them but i mean you know like in my college years I mean, like when i went back to school right and that was like a big when i was like really growing and i think excelling in like a lot of things and I think I, I notice the most when I can tell the people around me in my life see me as like a leader. I think a lot of these things are like leader traits. And I think in those years, like I think it was pretty obvious I was like a leader in a lot of the groups I was in and people like saw me like that. Like I think of myself in med school, honestly, even now, I think like less people would be like, oh yeah, like Matt's a leader within this group. I'm, I'm like a more of kind of like focused on my own thing, but less of how that expands into the people around me, right? Because a lot of these are people around me things, like like show up to life, assert themselves, bless others, accomplish goals, speak up, share knowledge and insights, even like become a confident go-getter. I think that expands outwardly desires and passions. I mean, you know, some of these are more internal, but I think in general, I can see in my standing socially, which points to, I think, when, when I really am honest about how I see myself within the like social circle around me is when I can tell, I think, if I'm being healthy. Because I think all these qualities enhance what I'm doing for the people around me. And it's like very obvious. And I think there's times in my life it's been that. And I think when I'm not, 
I, I don't think I look like an unhealthy person probably ever to the people around me. But what would be obvious is, is I'm not, I'm not like improving the people around me when I'm unhealthy, if that makes sense. I think that's like a very good measure of when I'm doing these things. Like, I think very few people would look at me right now and be like, oh, he's in an unhealthy place. But I think I can tell because I see how I fit into like the group around me and I can tell I don't have the same kind of influence in a positive way as I have in the past when I feel like I was at my healthiest. Yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. You looked confused before. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. Okay, but now, <laughs> but now I get it. <laughs> okay, good. But I have a question. Can, if I can ask, you don't have to answer it. But when you say like very few people would think I'm unhealthy, what makes you think that? I don't know. I would just... Not that people do think you're unhealthy, <laughs> just, but yeah. how do you know people wouldn't think you're unhealthy? I think I have a good sense of like seeing how people are portrayed and like, I can like put myself in other people's shoes and see me. And I think if I saw myself as someone who I just interact with sort of casually, they'd be like, oh yeah, that's a dude who just like seems fine. Likes to work out. No, no one here thinks I work out. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Um, no, but right, I, I, I don't think I give off unhealthy like vibes because my unhealthy stuff is more inward. Like I'm still very patient with people. I'm kind to people. I like... People don't see me get angry. People don't see me like, even like the laziness you can kind of hide internally, right? Like I, like I do my job well and I provide, but like there's for sure like lazy qualities in me, but you'd have to know me well to know that I think that's a part of things where I am now. So like, yeah, I, I just don't think I would do or say much that someone would see me and be like, oh, that guy's not doing well. But yeah, but I think it's the larger, like, I, I don't think I'm really influencing people around me like I do when I am healthy. And mm. because my internal traits aren't, like, being expressed outwardly, which a lot of these things are mm. supposed to. No, thanks for answering. Um, and last is our converging path. This is when technically when you're in stress is when you carry that one type. But if you're in your healthiest of healthiest where like a full transformation has actually taken place, then you can get to this level. Then that means you are healthy of your own type. Then you are healthy in your growth path type. And then what used to be your stress path has now become the conversion path. So you're healthy in all your types. And so that's kind of like the, oh my gosh, like the transformation has really happened. Because before it's like, you know, you're putting in the work, you're getting there. And this is kind of when like you start to really show traits that are kind of like permanent in a sense or like set. But I'm going to start with you. Okay. Okay. So in your conversion path, then you are a healthy type too. Um, you, <laughs> you learn to recognize your value and, val uh, and love yourself unconditionally. Put the needs of others ahead of your own. See what, they see what you possess and express gratitude for it instead of longing for what is missing. Acknowledge positive qualities in others and openly affirm them. Selflessly support and care for others without needing attention and experience others' emotions and needs. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I relate to a few of these. I think put the needs of others ahead of their own. Um, selflessly support and care for others without needing attention. I think that's kind of been something that I have been able to improve on. Mm -hmm. um, acknowledge positive qualities 
in others and openly affirm them? Yeah, I think I think for me, I'm becoming better at those aspects of the a healthy side, which I realize it's about others. I've, I, the other two, which are more about me, mm. I realize I I still need to work, you know, stuff to work on in terms of the recognize my own value and mm. love conditionally and unconditionally and see what they possess and just gratitude for instead of longing for what's missing. You know, those are those are a couple of things that. You know, it's, I'm still working on and, and um, I don't fully resonate with yet, but, you know, hopefully one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the others, you know, I feel like are just stuff that I've been able to, you know, grow and, you know. Yeah, I feel like um, even like experience others' emotions and needs, like mm. I kind of shared some struggles I've had recently in my own emotional journey or like things like that. And you've like checked in on me or like just even ask like how am I doing but with very specific intention and I very much felt like seen or empathized with in those ways where I don't think I would have felt that from you in the past and I think that just shows where you are in this like path of growth um and then definitely like you taking out two months to kind of just like stay with us and Mm. not live your life but (laughs) help (laughs) us live ours is like examples um Mm. so that's helpful that you're kind of showing that and that it's not like you did that just for us but yeah. it sounds like that was already happening and now you can keep practicing that in other areas yeah um yeah, but yeah, yeah once you go back you, you know that's exactly i mean obviously just timing wise it worked out for me to come here but right. you know it's been great for me to be here and be with you guys and be with the the kids too so but yeah, now I got to go back and figure out the other. other yeah, parts of yeah, it, so. I'm excited for you and where yeah, you yeah. continue to grow in your converging path. <laughs> All right, Matt, you're next. So for a type nine, then you'll be a healthy type nine, a healthy type three, and then a healthy type six, which means you can become more uh, self-aware and awake to your passions. Boldly assert yourself and your abilities to benefit others. Demonstrate courage by stepping out of your comfort zone into unfamiliar areas. Believe in their true, your true value to others, offering your presence and voice. Become clear about your calling, passions, and role in life. How do you resonate? Yeah, I think it's a pretty good list. Like if I was my optimal self, I think all those things would be true. I mean, those are very like pretty idealistic. Like I think... Someone who does all this would just be like a pretty rare person. Um, but but yeah, I think these are things that I would like want of myself. I think the ones that stand out the most are demonstrate courage by stepping out of their comfort zone into unfamiliar areas and become clear about their calling, passions, and role in life because... I think the first one, the demonstrating courage by stepping out of the comfort zone into unfamiliar areas, that is a very, like, something I value a lot, but something I don't want to often do because it's just very tiring. <laughs> like, it's very, uh, the, the idea of, right? Nines want, like, um, peace, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever yeah. your definition of, like, peace and comfort, that's what you So mean. for me, like, I do, I do that the most, like when I travel, like I can be an uncomfortable traveler because it's like super exciting to me. But to do this in my daily life feels exhausting to me. So I don't really want to do that. But I know for sure like that would be a much better version of me in my day to day if I sort of prioritize that 
and then becoming clear about their calling, passions, and role in life. I think that's just important because I, I get bogged down in just making sure I do my main responsibilities. So like as a father or like provider or husband or whatnot, but then I sort of like stop there. And I think that's limiting what my calling is. Right. A lot of this stuff is also in context of like faith, right? Our, our Christianity. I think when I stop there, I really limit like my true calling and passion, not my true, but the, the full extent of my calling and passions because there's an impact I want to have and to like know like eternally and to know that confidently, I guess, like becoming clear in that my calling passions and role is something that I can um, neglect when I'm uh, convincing myself that what I need to be doing is purely just like taking care of my, my son, my wife, my patients, my finances, right? That sounds fine, but that's very limiting, I think, into what I'm actually um, should be doing in a larger sort of, yeah, Christian scale. No, I've always felt very called to a broad missional stuff. I never quite knew what that, I've gone through different phases. I thought what that was and then that changed with life. But no matter what that is, that requires an act of like service, right? Like I don't, I don't really seek out ways to serve people beyond my obvious calling. Right? I think that's the biggest indicator for me. Like I feel in a day, I see that as a success if I just went about it and did like those things well, like wife, kids, work and like that's super limiting because that is neglecting a huge part of anything that is like missional like beyond just my home so i don't really know at one point i thought it was actually being a missionary at one point i thought it was establishing like local care in like a country that i would help sort of annually i don't know but it's something and the point is i don't really think about that at all often anymore so in that sense, I know that I'm not doing that role. Hmm. But that's good that, like, you know that that's still there and you can tap into that. When Yeah, I mean, but I feel like there's multiple steps for me to, to get before I get there. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's good that that's not, like, gone from, you know. Maybe, maybe it is, but, who, you know, just I'll write that on the side. No, for later, okay. <laughs> Okay, and for a type 2, I would become a healthy type 2, healthy type 4, and a healthy type 8. I would own my own strength and value apart from what others think, claim positive and powerful presence by not solely focusing on others, but instead moving forward in my own calling and strength, express my irritations, hurt feelings, disappointments, and anger in a balanced way, not using passive aggression or manipulation. Shift my attention to what God thinks of me. Um, this is kind of like on my faith-based side. And become more independent and self-affirming. I think for me, when I think of the converging path, I think of like my first two years out of college when I was just like in a very strong like self-identity and confident place in my own life. Um, really felt like I did embody all of these things. And so someone who then goes into unhealthy seasons and kind of like struggles with nostalgia or wanting what was in the past, you know, I feel like I'm 
becoming like blind to the opportunities ahead because I keep living in the, oh, those years were like when I was super healthy. Like, what can I do to re, um, like almost control, like what can I do to recreate that so I can be that healthy person again, which really takes away from, you know, the opportunity to tap into my new health of this um, scenario. I think um, something I did once when I, once when I had like really bad like um, self-image issues, I like um, would, you know, like simple things like go into the mirror and like really speak beautiful words over yourself. I did that for like a while and that really helped me like reshift my view of myself. And then like I wrote this like Tumblr post. It was like, oh my gosh, Unji, like not in like a conceited way, but like a very like speaking life. Um, and I don't know, like really like was like a resonating post or whatever back then when Tumblr was a thing. But I think in general, right, it's like, where do I find those truths of identity? And especially as a two, like, because twos are people pleasers. And so in a sense, when you are unhealthy, you seek that identity or worth from others. Um, Yeah, so I think that's been something that's been a reminder of the past. And not to now just crave the past, but just to know that even that kind of awareness shows me like, don't long for that past just because that was a season when I had this type of healthiness, but know that that's in me and know that I can tap into that as long as I continue to grow in myself today, because today wife and mom and, you know, like adult is different from fresh out of college and like revival, woo, all the time type of person. Um, And yeah, I think like there are seasons where I do I do enjoy confrontation. My type eight did score high. Like I enjoy confrontation and I feel like I've done them in balanced ways. But now I think that um, I need to work on how to do that without all the feelings inside. <laughs> right, Matt? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And and even that first one, like own strength and value apart from what other thing others think, like when that can be truly a part of me daily, then when I do experience growth or when I am doing something that, hey, I'm proud of myself and maybe God's proud of me too. And that's good enough. No one else has to feel that proudness or feel that whatever. And I will still be affirmed in my strength and value. And so that's where I am going. And even like things like knowing I loved counseling, college counseling. I can't really do that from how we decided to move forward as a family and parented. But Enneagram coaching is where I decided to invest myself in because I know a strength of coaching and listening and um, empowering others. And through this, I've already realized like that is a calling. And so being able to know those strengths and act upon that um, is where I do feel like that part is not lost in me. Um, So yeah, I think these were all very like... um, spontaneous reflections from all of us mm-hmm. since uh, I decided to do this the night before Opa's leaving so that we could have a 249 perspective. So thank you guys for listening. Do you guys want to share anything else? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not too knowledgeable with Enneagrams, um, but... It's just a singular <laughs> Enneagram. Huh? Enneagram. Oh, with en- Enneagram? Not too nausea with Enneagram? Yeah, because you've been saying Enneagrams. <laughs> Are there multiple? <laughs> but it's the Enneagram. It's Enneagram okay. types. Gotcha. Or the yeah. Enneagram. <laughs> so as you can tell, I'm not very knowledgeable with the Enneagram. It's been very rewarding to having to talk about it myself and kind of reflect. And also knowing traits where you say, oh, this is me being healthy. This me yeah. is me being unhealthy. And then... I can kind of be like, okay, yeah, this is something I should keep doing. And so, oh, yeah, like, you know, it's there's it shows that I am going back to unhealthy ways. So, right. you know, it's good to have 
to keep to have something that is able to keep that in mind so exactly that's the exact purpose of reflecting over these paths you got it <laughs> matt anything no good <laughs> reflections for me too uh yeah i've been i have another question too I yeah. guess. so so for the enneagram you, know, you have your enneagram uh-huh. and then you have a number when you're healthy and a number when you're unhealthy uh-huh. but then when you get assigned that your number how do you know if you're taking the test you're you could be super healthy uh-huh. or you could be super unhealthy uh-huh. so then those answers may reflect where you are so you know how do you know what your real number is this is such a great question Ova. <laughs> i didn't know if it was a stupid question um no because yeah. actually one of our guests in the future um sneak peek teaser tested a nine for a super long time but he's actually a three but he kept taking this test in his unhealthiness and kept saying oh i'm a nine okay i'm a nine right and like obviously if you don't go into the enneagram you just say oh what what are you guys talking about oh that test i'm a nine but when we actually went through in all the core motivations he realized he is a three he has always been a three but for almost like a handful of years because of where he was all of his answers would show a nine and that's his path that would be in his growth path of a three when they're unhealthy really resembles characteristics of a nine and so i guess that's why sometimes you get mistyped doesn't mean that you can change your types because that's why also people think oh today i'm this but the other day i'm this this is just showing how broad the spectrum of the enneagram is where you are always your type but if you got a wrong one it's because you mistyped because of something like your health path might be have been in a different time in that season okay maybe i'm a three so you did score a three which maybe you know like you have a strong three but you said you're you're said your fears are the conflict avoidant and like harm like you're a conflict avoidant i think those are my been my fears for like eight years so that feels like my whole life but i also don't think i think the last time i would say i was at my healthiest was like eight years ago <laughs> right when we met. <laughs> well, there's a lot of oh, things no. happening around that time. Uh, that's fine. That's when my healthy is. But like, because um, when I was taking the test, a lot of my answers that were three answers, I was imagining myself in like college. Like, okay, this is because a lot of these questions made me think about. But that might have been a healthy time. College is not your early years. Your early years are growing up. That's when this was formed. So when you think of yourself in college, you were also very healthy, which also is why you were probably resembling a three as you think of these experiences in college. But in like, so, so what, what, when should, what, what time period I should be thinking of myself? Like high school? Like Middle school? growing up. So like, yeah, your early years. I definitely, uh, okay. this should be for another time. It's going to take too long. I'll think about it. Okay. But now you- I'm questioning if I'm actually nine or if I've just resembled a nine for almost a decade guess that's why it's good to have a counselor. Wait, are you the yeah that's why oh hit me up at cooler commentary at gmail.com so I, should, to be a plug. So I should probably retake the test and yeah. imagine myself as a kid yeah it's never how i've taken the test well not just like as a kid i guess like yeah, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, I, I think this but is like, where the sessions do come in handy because I guide yeah. you in that place. Because when people take tests, they don't go, oh, what was I when I was just a kid, right? But like, it does show at least the top yeah, answers I'm and then we work from there. I'm questioning everything. You can. Because. Because sometimes the, I don't really main, think you're a nine. The but main motivations of a nine, this idea of like, 
like needing peace around you, like, you know, wanting things to just like, like not wanting to step out because that just feels like tiring feel like that. I don't think that was ever me until like, you know, 2015 ish, 2014, 2015. Literally right when we started, <laughs> right when I moved to San Antonio. Well, that was also, that was the beginning of med school. In depth topic for next. Yeah, this will be one of our, of, in a I'll month think about or two. It. Yeah. I'll take where, the test again. What is math? But it's yeah. not taking the test again. It's also really looking through it. Yeah. Not just the test. Because you take the test again now, you said you're mostly going to be a nine, but you're like, oh, let me think of it as a child. Just because you take the test and get a three doesn't mean you now are a three. You have to go through it. Let's let's talk offline. I'm probably going to be like a like a four or something. Who knows? Could be anything. What's wrong with a four? I'm just kidding. Right. Yeah. Oh, I just picked a random number that I don't know anything about. Oh, but now I do know yeah, something teaser. All right. Well, thank you guys for um, tuning in. Thank you both for offering your insight. Thank you, Opa, for living us with living with us for two months. Have fun in Korea. Mm-hmm. And this was another episode of Color, Color Commentary. Commentary. Bye. Peace.